And I would ask you to turn in your Old Testaments to Psalm 103 as we are finishing this three-week series just to kind of move into the new year uh, in worship, in God's grace, in our calling together. We'll be looking at Psalm 103, verses 15 through 22. And I do love that song that they were just play, praying, playing that ends with the, the, the refrain, and I praise you, Lord, because that's where it goes in Psalm 103, and that's where we'll, we'll end up. But this is the Word of God. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear Him, and His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you, His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, you ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works, in all places, in all dominions. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Lord, we pray that you would lead us to understand what it is to know you, to live with you, the eternal God, to serve you, and to live a life of praise. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I, I really love passages that contrast us with God. Uh, sometimes those can be quite painful, uh, like in the end of the book of Job, as as God says to Job, uh, you're not like me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you when, with, with the stars? And, and Job is, is able to see the contrast between the, the one true and living God and himself. And he, he ends up in worship. He ends up with, with great need and dependency about, upon God. And there are many places that there's a contrast Normally, even though it's a little bit painful sometimes to see that contrast because of who we are and who God is, the reason He does it is so that He can bring help to our weakness and we can understand that we need it. It's so that He can bring grace and redemption to our need. Uh, it is so that, that He can move into hearts that become less self-aware and more aware of the neediness that we have. And this passage is, is one of the beautiful passages of a contrast that just shows God's heart, His relational heart, for those who would turn to Him and sweetly, by faith, walk with Him and be connected with Him throughout eternity. And I'd like to put it in one sentence. So if you might write this down, maybe while you're riding down the road this week, you will remember this sentence. And it simply is this, it is a short ride unless you're riding with God. Talking about life, it's a short ride unless you are riding with God. David talks about how short our life is. In verse 15 we read, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes 
like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. Basically, we show up on earth, we blossom beautifully like a flower, and we last about as long as a blossom. We are like grass, one of the metaphors in the Bible for transients. We are transient, we, we are like grass, and that grass does not have roots that goes down deep, and the reason why is because we're not going to be here long anyway. We don't need tap roots because life is short. It's a very short ride. You know, the Hebrew word for flower here literally means shiny. So you are not hearing me say from this pulpit that man is unimpressive. Classic Christianity teaches that we are made in the image and likeness of God by God. And so therefore there is creativity, right? Because God's a creator. We are a creator. Yes, the image is marred because of our sin and selfishness. But it is still a glory reflected in the image that there is not only creativity, there is intellect, there is art, there is athleticism, there is beauty. So we are just like David says, we're like a, a flower. We're like a beautiful blossom, and the the Hebrew word is shiny. In fact, verse 15, he flourishes like the flower of the field. The the word flourish and the word flower both have the root word of like flowering, flourishing, and flower of shiny. What it's saying is is that we're like grass, we don't last that long, but, but we shine as a shiny one for a very short period of time. You see, the problem is that we start dying 24 hours a day the moment we're born. It's beautiful, but it's short. It reminds me of May and April here in the Jackson area. Boy, don't we love the azaleas. They come out, they are gorgeous, they are blossoms. I mean, trees are are bushes, I guess you say, that look like they're more flower than bush. The problem with azaleas is not that there's a lack of beauty. What I have against azaleas is that they only last three weeks. And they're gone. Now you grab somebody after church who has some age on them. And you ask them, so tell me, is it true that as you get older, that you begin to realize that life goes by and has gone by much faster than you ever dreamed it would. And they will say, it, was, it feels like three weeks ago when, when some child was toddling in my house and was falling down but walking more than crawling. It feels like last week that, that somebody took a tassel on, on, a, on a hat, a funny looking hat at a graduation and, and moved it over that way and that was high school. Oh, they will tell you, it's far faster than you can get your mind around. We're like grass, like the flower of the field. We, we blossom, and the problem is not just that it's brief. The problem is also a problem of meaning. Let me tell you a bad way to live, to live a life that is brief without meaning. And that's the way a lot of people live. I'd like for you to look at verse 16. It it, it asks the question of meaning. 
For the wind passes over it, the flower, the wind passes over it, and it's gone, and here's, the, here's what's underneath it, and its place remembers it no more. We don't really see that coming in the text. We, we know we die. We know that our lives are finite, right? But we don't get the fact that we're not even remembered. You see, we have to ask the question, what is the meaning of it all? If we're not even remembered, what is life about? I know when we first moved here, uh, our neighborhood has a neighborhood right behind it. And uh, sometimes we like to walk in, in my own neighborhood, and sometimes we'll walk in the neighborhood behind it. And uh, one day we were going to go walk in the neighborhood behind, and there was a column of black smoke. Now, you know, when somebody's burning trash, which I guess they're not supposed to in town, that's kind of gray smoke. This is thick black smoke. You see that, you realize something is on fire that is huge. And sure enough, just behind our house and a little bit down the road, uh, a 40-year-old house was just burning to the ground. Now, look, I, I've seen things on fire before. I had never in my life watched a house burn to the ground. But everybody in my entire neighborhood and the other one was suddenly at that. It was a Saturday, too. At, in front of that house, firemen, everything. It was so far gone, they didn't even really try to put it. They just did a controlled burn while the thing, and it, there wasn't any trees around it or anything, while that thing just burned to the ground. Now, it belonged to an elderly couple who had just been there since Methuselah. I mean, they had raised their children there, grandchildren there. And, um, you know, I, we were walking back there just the other day. And, and that's still a, a, a vacant lot. You can't even tell where the house is, was. If I didn't know where the house was, it's just grass. And I thought to myself, this is where these people sat on the porch and had a marriage. This is where, this is the yard that they, we played ball in the yard. This is where all the Christmases took place. This is where all the photographs were kept that were burned up in a fire. And none of it is even there and no one can even, can, can even tell you where the house was the other day i was having to fill out a form i could not even remember the full address of the last place i lived now that probably says more about me i have early onset of something probably but i couldn't remember i know palmer hill court and i know colorado spring i could for, couldn't for the life of me remember just seven years ago my address and what's worse is it doesn't remember me either that's what the Scriptures teach, you see. This year, Gina and I did some work on Ancestry.com. I don't know if you've ever wanted to know about your family. I'm the person that started it, although she was much better at it than I am. You know why I started, and it was like a free trial, but you know why I started on Ancestry.com? And I'll tell you the reason why, because... One day it occurred to me that I did not know the names of three of my great-grandparents. Now look, I know my parents' names. I trust you do too. I know my grandparents' names. And I don't know three of my great-grandparents' names. Why? Just what the Scripture is teaching. By the way, Calvin Major Wheat 
and Benjamin Franklin Smith. I won't be soon forgetting those names. Um, But you know, what does it all mean, you see? It's gone. It's short. It's gone. And it's not even remembered. And I think about all these people, thousands upon thousands, just living in high-rises in large cities throughout the world. Who are they when they die? What is the deal? I think about folks in Africa and China and, and just crowded areas, and they live and they die. What does it all mean? Why are we here? Why are we so powerless in the face of physical demise through age and death? Why is it all so short? And its place remembers it no more. Cornelius Plantinga says this, You do not have to be a romantic or a French existentialist pacing some smoke-filled room to wonder over the meaning of the parade and passing of all this death. The secular humanists say, There's nothing man can't do. Nobody can stop the human spirit. We dream it, we do it, but deep in our hearts, we know exactly what stops the human spirit. It's called death. It's called disease. It's called real life. You know, when I hear all this talk about the unstoppability of man, etc., it reminds me of somebody, it reminds me of a famous character in a movie that I enjoyed some time ago. Uh, One of my favorite movie characters, his name is Buzz Lightyear. Y'all remember Buzz Lightyear? Okay, Buzz Lightyear, he is a toy, right? And Buzz Lightyear has a phrase, it is the title of this sermon. Buzz Lightyear says, to infinity and beyond. Hey look, Buzz Lightyear is a toy made out of plastic. He's not going to infinity, and he's certainly not going beyond infinity. But Buzz Lightyear doesn't seem to understand that. And Buzz Lightyear's very, very sincere, don't get me wrong, and he's got some cool stuff on his arms, and, you know, as toys go, I guess Buzz Lightyear is a cool toy, but Buzz Lightyear will never be what he thinks he is, a superhero with superpower. He says to infinity and beyond with such zeal and zest, and we know it's sincere, But it's very misguided. It's not reality. And as we say in the South, bless his heart. It's a short ride. Ask your parents. If your grandparents are alive, ask them. 2 Samuel 14, 14, Like water spilled on the ground which cannot be recovered, we must die. Psalm 144, 4, Man is like a breath. His days are like a fleeting shadow. Psalm 95, O God, you sweep us away like a dream. It's a short ride. Unless you are riding with God. Unless the eternal God has taken hold of you. And all that means. David, the psalmist, uses this wonderful wonderful word, that we see all over the Scriptures, the word is like, but, however, we're like grass, we're gone, the flower, but the Lord's steadfast love is from everlasting to everlasting. Do you see the contrast? 
were fast and without meaning, but His love is from everlasting to everlasting. He is the eternal one. He does not fade. He is the one who was and is and is to come. There is none like Him. He is God. And we are not. Verse 17 says that He wants to give us His steadfast love from everlasting to everlasting. You know, living as a follower of Jesus and putting our faith in what that God has initiated and done for us in our place, this faith, this relationship means that you have union with an eternal God. That there will not be one moment when you are not with Him and in His love that physical death is nothing to fear. Because you will, with Him, always not only be alive, but in His presence, and more to the point, the object of His affection, the meaning of life, to know and experience the presence of God Almighty, and to be loved by Him with a love that changes everything. This is about the mortal being linked with the immortality, but so much more because what we find, and it is very counterintuitive because we think of God as, as very distant. And, and I, you heard me maybe pray earlier that God does dwell in inapproachable light and glory. No man can look at Him and live. That is our holy God. That is the great and mighty One. But that is not where we leave it because that God out of love has come here to rescue us, to bring us into His arms. I know that's counterintuitive. It's called grace. It's something that we don't deserve, but God wants to give us by His actions. The meaning of life? It is the love, the steadfast love of God given every moment, forever. Now, we all need love. As Pastor Mercer said recently, we're made for love. In fact, if you Google the words, and I'm thinking of a song here, somebody to love... You get all kind of love songs, all kind of longing, people trying to find meaning in the arms of another person that only God can give. I can hear Grace Schlick saying right now, don't you need somebody to love? Don't you want somebody to love? Don't you need somebody to love? You better find somebody to love. Now, you've got to be my age or older to know what that is. But you know what? That is exactly right, isn't it? And we, we want meaning. We want love. And, and what's so wonderful about this is the word for God and the word for love give us the context for what this really is. The word for God here is Yahweh. It is the, the relational name of God. It is the, the name of God that has to do with a promise, meaning that God is the God of relationship by His choosing rather than ours. By His initiation, His love, something He has done that He gives us that we cannot change. Isn't that good news? That this promise and this love that is given is based on His relational desire and initiation. But the word for love is the word chesed. Chesed, it means the covenant love of God. It means the love that will never leave, that comes from a relational God who will never let you go. Even when we are making a mess of our lives at times, and God is not pleased... 
I realize with that, but let me tell you something. In the ups and downs of this life, in the life of somebody who knows and loves God through Christ, He will not let you go. And He may love you with some tough love, but He will restore you with a chesed love, with with a covenant love, and He will always continue to love you. Verse 17, but from everlasting to everlasting is the Lord's covenant love upon those who fear Him and His righteousness with their children's children. You know, that's what we were doing up here earlier in this baptism. We were saying this isn't just about us. This, this love goes beyond us. Isn't that great? That we get to go beyond with God in heaven, but even the love of Christ within us through our families goes beyond us. The moment we put our trust in Christ, the moment we are adopted, yes, even us who do not deserve it, only because of His covenant love, only because of the cross. God is already thinking about our children. Even when you had not had them yet. God's already thinking about our grandchildren. So different is the, we're like grass, we're like a flower, boom, it's over, and nobody will even remember you, and it has little meaning that lasts. It's not only will you have love, but this love will keep going on. I remember right after I came to know Christ, when I was 20 years old, my sister and I uh, went to a Christmas celebration. It's the same one we had gone to as children. Uh, We were at our grandparents' house in Mariana, Florida, and the neighbors, we all kind of grew up with them, and they all grew up with us. And and a part of our celebration, they always had a, a, a part, you know, a dinner. And, and, and we had come to know Christ, and this was known by a few people, and, and there were a couple people, you know, sometimes when you, when you come to know Jesus, and you're just trying to live humbly and, and with love, and you're trying to, to choose in ways that will please the Lord, sometimes people don't like that. Here we were at this dinner, and, you know, I, we weren't talking about it, and one of the adults said, isn't it a fact that you believe this, and you think, and basically you now think you're better than the rest of us. I mean, I'm 20 years old. This is like one of my elders. You know, we're taught not to talk to elders like, you know. I didn't know what to say. He was angry. Let me tell you one thing. His conscience must have been screaming because I hadn't said anything. I looked at my sister. She looked at me. I kind of somehow verbally got out of that. We exited the door went into the little parlor where the piano was, just the two of us. And, and I wish that I had said this, but it was my sister who was evidently more theologically attuned uh, as a, a, a new kind of ish believer than I was. She looked at me and she said, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I just wanted to get out before it happened to me. <laughs> that was not the theological part, by the way. She looked at me and she said, I want you to imagine a Christmas gathering just like this, one day, with our children, your children, my children, and mama. And it'll all be about love. It'll all be about Jesus. She was talking covenant and meaning before we were ever married. And there was something that just said, I get it. This purpose is not just for me. Yes, I love to be loved, don't you? By a God who will never stop loving me because He has done it. 
and I can't diminish it. It is finished. And yes, I want to love Him, but I love the fact that His love, His truth, His grace changes us. And we not only love Him with an answering love, we love other people with that love of Christ. And it makes a big difference in their lives. And some of those people are the people that live right under our own roof. That we extend grace and love to. And it goes for generations. It's a short ride unless you are riding with God. This is the very psalm that said, and if you were here, He forgives all your sins. He separates your sins as far as the east is from the west, from you. He redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and honor. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. He wants us. God wants us. He not only wants to give us eternity to answer the shortness, the brevity of our life, He wants to give us love and grace to answer the question of meaning in our lives and even beyond our lives on this earth and for eternity. And all that is done in His name and what it actually means as the demands of love are lived out among other people. One of the scholars that helped me greatly on this sermon quoted uh, and I've never memorized but the last line of this quoted from Shakespeare's Macbeth probably his second maybe Hamlet's the the most popular play of Shakespeare but I want to quote and read the, the whole quote Shakespeare says in Macbeth our lives flee like a shadow or like an hour on the stage Life's but a waking, walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. It does not have to be that way. And I love what Cornelius Plantinga says, no, no, this is a tale told by God signifying everything of final importance in this life and the life to come. Praise His name. And we end up in this psalm right where we began with praise. And I am going to ask you to do something at the end of this sermon, so get ready. God, we read, is on His throne. His throne is established in the heavens. And literally, the words mean His reign rules over all. That He is the uncontested superpower in the cosmos who transcends the cosmos. He is the ultimate power. There is none who can contest Him. His reign, His kingdom rules. And so, with His love, an everlasting covenant love, His power and reign, David finally says, so praise Him. You, His angels, who see Him in His thrice holy being at the throne, praise Him, you you hosts of the Lord, you armies of the Lord, 
to understand the greatness of our God. Praise Him, you ministers, meaning you heavenly messengers who do His will. Praise Him, all of creation. Everything under His dominion. And David gets down to, so you praise Him. If that's who He is. And I simply want to read as we close the conclusion of Psalm 103. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works, in all places, in all His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And if that is who you believe He is, and if that is where your trust is, I would ask you to repeat that last sentence. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's do it. Let's pray. Lord, You are God. We are needy. We are sinful. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God except for Your initiating love through sending Your Son as a substitutionary blood sacrifice. We would not be able to be embraced by You, a three times holy God. Thank You that You carried out the just penalty for our sin before You upon Him. And by faith we are set free and adopted into Your family. And if you've never put your trust in what Christ has done, and you see it. And you'd like to give up trying to do it on your own. Just pray with me. Lord, I see it. Oh, the wonder that You are a covenant-keeping God. That You would give Your life and seek me a sinner. I turn from everything that I have called Christianity, everything that I have called religion, and I put my trust, Jesus, in what you have done on the cross on my behalf. Thank you that even now you have come into my life. Even now you have forgiven my sins solely on the basis of your love the sufficiency of Your sacrifice. Well, Lord, thank You that even now You've given me Your Spirit to live within me. Lord, would You cause me to live a life of praise and of gratitude and of answering love to Your love. And Lord, there are many of us who've walked with You. Would You align us not only with the fact that You are eternal and the wonder of being able to be with You, but align us yet again with Your love, with walking with You, seeking Your will and Your ways as You empower us through the power of the Gospel and the Holy Spirit. And Lord, would You bring great joy to the hearts of Your people that we might bless You with all of our soul, all that is within us. Praise your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen.